Welcome to Agriculture in North Carolina. I'm Dan Miller. This holiday weekend version of the program is a bit different. Jeff and I forego our usual chatting about the ag headlines of this past week in favor of an adult beverage. On this week's Ag and NC, the story of Duplin wine. I'm joined by my co-host, the COO of Murphy Family Ventures and decades-long member of the North Carolina Board of Agriculture, Jeff Turner, and by the president of Duplin Wine Cellars, David Fussell, Jr. Agriculture in North Carolina is sponsored by Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, Syngenta Global, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Hang on, more in two minutes. This is Ag and NC. I'm Dan Miller, along with Jeff Turner and David Fussell, Jr., the president of Duplin Wine Cellars. I find myself quite privileged to be talking to two distinguished citizens of Duplin County. Tell you what, <laughs> yeah, well, not often do you get two folks from D.C. at the same time. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, I am glad to be with y'all. David, if you could give us just a, a bit of background on uh, well, how you got started in the agricultural business or the wine business uh, and the kind of the history of the winery. Well, when I was a little fellow, my uh, my father was a school teacher, and uh, my uncle approached him and said, hey, let's buy a farm and we can farm on the side. And so they bought a farm about four miles east of Rose Hill, and they started growing pigs and we had some soybeans and some corn there, and uh, everything was going okay. My dad was, of course, a, you know, a full-time teacher, and my uncle was a full-time home builder. And a big winery out of Canandaigua, New York, came down to North Carolina and said, we want some folks to grow some muscadine grapes for us. They got the agriculture department here to really start uh, promoting this, and the Canandaigua folks, they started traveling the state, and they came by and... Uh, I taught my uncle into growing because he promised $350 per ton. Uh, and so my uncle said, we're going to grow some grapes. But my, my dad not only was a full-time, he was also a part-time preacher. So that didn't sit very well with him. He knew that those grapes were going to be making wines. And my father was a teetotaler also, by the way. My uncle being the oldest, he got his way and they started growing grapes and it takes about four years for a little vine to fully mature while they were sitting back waiting on their first big crop. The big winery came back and said, oh, no, no, no. Not only are you growing grapes, we have 67 other families in North Carolina growing grapes for us. We've got too many grapes. The only way we're going to be able to use all these grapes is to pay you $125 per ton. I don't know if you remember Fred Sanford when he would say, Elizabeth, it's the big one, where my uncle was telling Aunt Zane it's the big one, and Daddy was telling my mom it's the big one. What are we going to do? And my grandfather stepped in and said, you boys are going to have to start making wine. That's where it all started back around the mid-70s. Mid-70s, late-70s, early-80s, when wine really kind of came into its own, and sales went from nothing to something everywhere. Well, I, I don't know. We didn't really hit the ball uh, always. Uh, uh, we made 20 cases of wine the very first year, and actually, as a family member, I was I was the head licker of the labels, and I would lick the labels and hand them to Mama. I, I think I got addicted to them because I always volunteered. Hey, Mom, I'm the, I'm the label licker. Uh, the next year, these 67 other families went to 
the agriculture department and said, look, you've got us in trouble. We don't have a home for these grapes. The fossils have opened up a winery in Rose Hill. If you can help them, maybe they can start buying some of our grapes, and maybe if they're successful, other wineries are opened up in North Carolina. So the agriculture department went to the commerce department and came back, and uh, the state uh, voted that North Carolina-grown wines would have a tax break. We 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 got this excise tax break, and we passed it on to our customers. And, and so our wines became less expensive than the others, and that's really what kick-started our, our early growth. And were, were you more intent on the making wine? Were they back then, or did they have the tourism component built in even at, as, your, as your dad and uncle were doing it? You know, we, we had a little shop uh, right in the middle of Rose Hill, and uh, it's still our, our tasting room today. Uh, but it, it the back end of the building was the winery, and we had my mom and Aunt, or Aunt Zane up at a bar, and occasionally we would get some folks uh, to come by. And, you know, our business kind of grew from the 20 cases, and, and by 1983, we were we were selling somewhere close to forty eight thousand cases of wine. Then some fancy lawyers from New York and California came down with their skinny little short ties, and they they sued the state and uh, went to the North Carolina Supreme Court and said that this tax break that they were given North Carolina grown wineries was unconstitutional, and it got ruled unconstitutional. So then we had to start paying this excise alcohol tax, and the only way we could pay it is is to increase prices, and that increase in price caused our wine sales to drop from about 52,000 cases in 1987 to 4,000 cases by 1990. And uh, along the way, my father had borrowed a lot of money from the local bank at uh, 13% interest in 1983, and we were having a difficult time uh, making the payments, you know, and so everybody lost their job. A lady named Ann Ferry and my mother, they really just worked for the bank, liquidating everything that we had. Uh, that was my summer job, moving tanks out of our plant and rigging it up and putting it on trucks and hauling them off to someone who's bought our equipment. And we, we really, really did struggle. I, I graduated from East Carolina University and 1990, and I took my mom's spot and didn't want it. They could only pay me $9,000 a year. I didn't think it would last too long, but uh, we were able to repair a lot of broken relationships, and by 1995, we increased our sales from 4,000 cases to right around 6,000 cases. One of the best things, you know, I guess it just dropped up from above, 60 minutes aired a segment that said, drink a glass of red wine, it's good for you. All of a sudden, we started selling a lot of red wine because down south, we, we drink a lot of sweet tea, and most of the wines in the grocery stores were dry. And so us southerners, you know, we, we like sweet things, and so they started drinking our little Hatter's Red. And then in 1996, 32 universities uh, decided they were going to find out what – what is really behind the health benefits of drinking a glass of red wine, and they discovered a phenolic compound called resveratrol. So went across the world looking for what grapes have the most resveratrol, and they came down to North Carolina. They test our wines for resveratrol. I made them sign a handwritten confidentiality agreement because we couldn't afford a lawyer. 
But uh, they took our wines, they came back, and they said it's amazing, not only in your red wines, but also in your white wines. There's seven times more resveratrol. They they discovered that, you know, muscadine grapes, they, they grow where it's hot and humid, very different than the other grape-growing regions in the world, like California and Europe. Our grapes grow where it's hot and humid. Heat and humidity supports a lot of fungal disease. And just as the good Lord gives us natural antibodies to fight off our own sicknesses, he's doing the exact same thing for grapes. And so our grapes have to have seven times more resveratrol in order to survive our climate. And uh, that, that that news finally got put on the front page of, of the News and Observer, August the 19th, 1996, and we started selling a lot of wine. The success story begins. Stay with the three of us for more coming up in just a moment. Our program is brought to you in part by Syngenta, a leading agricultural company helping to improve global food security by enabling farmers to make better use of available resources. The future lies in precision agriculture. Create your plan with help from Syngenta. This is Agriculture in North Carolina. I'm Dan Miller, joined by my co-host Jeff Turner and the president of Duplin Wine Cellars, David Fussell, Jr. I was at the Duplin Winery when, I'm trying to remember who all was there, Senator Harold Hardison, among others, came for the blessing of the vine. And I think that had to be in 82 or 3. Yeah, you have a good memory. Senator Harrison was a great friend of my grandfather, and he was not only just a great friend, but he 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 was a big supporter of what we were doing. That's been a while back, but but again, you, it did. You were already politicking by, back then in that day, didn't you? Came out of the <laughs> womb that way. I started yeah. at an early age. I have to admit. But Dan, I got to tell you a story. I I, I got the <laughs> opportunity to go see the governor of Beverly Purdue, and I, I had worked months and months just trying to get an appointment with her. And I sit down, and we talk about two minutes. And the door, somebody knocks on the door, and her assistant walks in and said, "Sorry, Governor, but Mr. Turner's here." And she goes, "I'll be right back." And she walks out the door, and she comes back about 10 minutes later. Heck, I didn't have but like 15 minutes to talk to her, and and he and someone had taken 10 minutes of my time. I said, that must be Ted Turner or somebody very famous. And then I come downstairs, and I go out in the parking lot, I see Jeff Turner walking down the street. I said, that gum, that gum neighbor stealing my time. I wouldn't have done it for anything in the world, David, had I known it was you. But otherwise, I need to talk. <laughs> yeah, you still owe me. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, the grapes, the grapevines. You mentioned that uh, before they start producing, like three years in the ground. And are you growing all your grapes? Do you contract grapes grown? To begin with, we were growing all of our grapes, and we, we quickly discovered that the best fertilizer for a vine is the shadow of the owner. We we decided that we would start contracting and uh, getting growers. Today we have uh, 54 families that are growing grapes with us, and we we also have diversified because you know everybody lives in eastern North Carolina, and we know that every now and then we're going to get a nice little freeze or frost, and and then in September when grapes are ready to pick we're going to get a, a hurricane so we 
we started diversifying into other locations, and now we grow. We have growers in South Carolina, Georgia, Panhandle of Florida, and our largest contract grower is actually in a little town of Shibuta, Mississippi, right on the Alabama line. We produce and sell roughly about 500,000 cases of wine a year. That's about 6 million bottles. But everything, even that you press there, you actually bring in here. You don't age anything there. No, sir. Everything is made here in Rose Hill, and this is where we we have a really incredible group of people that uh, have taken ownership in our winery and really good people to work with. And all of our successes or whatever success that we've had is because we've been surrounded by incredible people. And surround yourself with great people, and and you can you together you can get something done. So we talked about. Rose Hill being the center of your business. Tell us about your other locations. Our best advertising tools has, has always been the front door where people walk in, you're able to hug their necks, shake their hand, and thank them for business. In 2015, we decided that we would move to where the tourists are, uh, and we built a brand-new winery in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we had a great We'll still have a great team of people that are there and see if we can't, instead of uh, duplicate, we're going to say duplicate. How can we duplicate what we're doing in North Myrtle Beach? And so we broke ground a a couple of years ago on property in Panama City Beach, Florida. And what this does is it really helps us meet folks from other markets because they're down there on vacation looking for something to do introduce them to, you know, what we're doing and and, and uh, hoping that they, they would continue to give us their support after they leave. Last year was a great year for harvest, I, I, as I recall. All your contract growers are pretty happy, aren't they? Well, they should be after last year. We only harvested uh, about 50% of our of the grapes that we grew because we had bought everybody else's grapes and uh, pressed somewhere over a little over 6,000 tons of grapes last year, uh, and that, that that was a record for us. And let me ask, from crush to out the door, what's the time period on muscadine wine? Uh, it takes about 11 to 12 months from the day that the grapes are pressed until the day it could be put into a bottle. That fresh grape taste, that, uh, that does that lead to your unofficial motto, our wines better make the ladies smile. Well, that's my, that's my granddaddy. Now he he came out. My granddaddy had a little problem with ladies. Um, <laughs> that, that's not a problem. That. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's <laughs> all he cared about was. But our wines better make the ladies smile, so he could take some to the uh, Elk Lodge or wherever else he was. The Shrine Club at Topsail Beach. <laughs> that's, right, that's right. That's <laughs> right. My, I had an incredible grandfather who, uh, he would sit in this rocking chair in Rose Hill and men would walk in and he'd sit there and rock and he'd say, thank you for coming to see us. And if an old girl comes in, he'd stand up and walk up and hug her neck and say, honey, I really appreciate you coming to see us. And speaking of age has his privilege. So your uncle kind of strong-armed your dad into some of the uh, industry. Uh, you as the older brother, do you uh, strong-arm Jonathan occasionally? No, I can't keep up with him. I don't even know where he is today. 
he's a great partner to have and he he has some talents that I don't have and of course I guess I have a few talents that he doesn't have and together we make a good team and and I'm I'm so proud too that uh we have another generation of of folks coming through my son recently graduated from East Carolina about 2 years ago and uh we've got a new group of folks hopefully future leaders and we've got them separated on the wine team and accounting and also in the tasting rooms and and they call themselves the G4 for the fourth generation of Dupont winery if we if we include my granddaddy there you go we we talk to Governor Troxler uh, a couple of times a year, and and when we do, one of the things he that would be commissioner right now. But yeah, yeah. He, 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 he could be governor. I think I'll he cut. got more votes than anybody else yeah. across state last two statewide elections. I think. Uh, I, I I lost my whole train of thought. Oh, here we go. When, when we talk to Commissioner Troxler, he he mentions that that's one area for North Carolina exports, which is muscadines. Asian countries like them. We're doing better and better uh, getting that word out. Fresh grapes is that something that you folks have looked at? You know, we've been blessed to to sell every bottle that we've made uh, for a long, long time. Uh, the economy, though, this year is. Uh, change it's making us think and wine business as a whole is down across the nation the big boys like gallo and they're the smartest ones in the business they've got about a hundred different brands and and about 95 percent of those brands are down and so we're down this year uh it's the first year i've seen this you know so we're we're looking at different things and different outlets and different things that we could do. And of course, that, I think that would be something uh, that we could easily pick up on. But, uh, you know, the coddles down there in face and they're doing a really good job at selling grapes, especially up in New York and around, uh, Chinatown and that area. And what we got to do is we got to figure out how can we, uh, start exporting some of our great wines to some of these other countries and, and introduce them to something that they we believe they would really like. David, what if to the bottle? What if we not asked you that you want to make a comment on? Um, I got to tell you, this is a first for Jeff Turner. David is speechless. <laughs> yeah, I know damn well you got something else you want to say. You know, the only thing I really want to do is I want to make sure that everybody that knows that I'll just appreciate their business and their support. That's for sure. Awesome. Awesome. There you go. Thank you, man. We very much appreciate it. David, hey, thank you so thank much for your time very, this morning. very much. We'll have more in just a moment on Agriculture in North Carolina. This is Agriculture in North Carolina. I'm Dan Miller. Bill Carone Cars and Wallace is now the only Chevy GMC dealer in eastern North Carolina to become an AgPAC dealer which means any farmer who buys a vehicle at Bill Carone is eligible for more than $30,000 in savings on products you might already use, everything from tires to crop products. Check out the advantages of the AgPAC program at Bill Carone Cars in Wallace. Let's take a look at commodity prices from last week. June live cattle hit another contract high at 168.40 on Friday before ending the day at just five cents higher to close the week at 167.35. That represented a weekly gain of $1.62.5. August feeder cattle closed at 233.925, which marked a $1.17 weekly slide. June lean hogs fell to 76.075. For the week, they dropped $6.95.
North Carolina egg prices were higher on all sizes when compared to the prior week. North Carolina weighted average price quoted for Thursday, May the 25th. Small lot sales delivered carton grade A eggs was 138.30 for extra large, 125.41 for large, 114.11 for medium, and 84 for small eggs. Number two yellow shell corn was one to two cents lower when compared to the prior week. Prices ranged mostly 590 to 681 at the feed mills, 639 to 675 at the elevators through Thursday, May the 25th. Number one yellow soybeans were 26 to 59 cents higher, ranged 1387 to 1421 at the processors, mostly 1332 to 1367 at the elevators. Number two red winter wheat was six to 39 cents lower, ranged 529 to 572 at the elevators. Soybean meal FOB at processing plants range 447.20 to 462.20 per ton for 46.5 to 48% protein. New crop prices quoted for harvest delivery, corn range 520 to 605, soybeans were 1132 to 1192, and wheat range 534 to 676. And that's this week's Agriculture in North Carolina. If you miss a show, play the podcast on demand on your schedule. You'll find it for free on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And you'll find our sponsors on aginnc.com. Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, Syngenta Global, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. Agriculture in North Carolina, copyright 2023, Interbanks Media. For Jeff Turner, myself, Dan Miller, have a great Memorial Day and have a great week.